0: Hello and welcome to Central's podcast. We pray your heart is touched through listening and that it helps you in your walk with Jesus. Today's message is from Pastor Kurt. Now, one of the areas, this is called Central Assembly of God. We're an Assemblies of God church. So, one of the areas of empowerment that we believe in is an experience that comes after salvation called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist talked about it uh, early in his ministry where he said, listen, I baptize you with water, but this one pointing to Jesus, he said, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now in Acts chapter one, Jesus starts to tell his disciples about this. He said, listen, go to the city of Jerusalem, stay here. There will be a moment when you are baptized with the Holy Spirit. When that happens, you will receive power to be my witnesses. And what Jesus didn't say was that you would receive power so you can go and witness. So he never intended us to like live our life and we're okay sometimes and we're a jerk some other times and then we're gonna put on our witnessing hat, right? We'll put on some church merch. Everybody will know we're a Christian now and I'm gonna be really nice in this moment. That's not what Jesus like designed us to do. He said he wanted us to have power to go and be his witnesses. That's like everywhere you go, Everything you say, good mood, bad mood, and everything in between, you are being a witness for Jesus, all right? I wanna be the best witness I can. So in that, we believe that through that experience of being filled with the Spirit or baptized with the Spirit, it's different terminology, same experience, we believe that that brings real power, real boldness, real confidence to be His witness. Now, something that happens in several occurrences in the book of Acts, when people are being baptized with the Spirit, is they have a confirmation, uh, some of that God calls it initial physical evidence, of speaking in other tongues. Now, there is a lot of confusion uh, on this topic. There's some hesitation on the topic and so on. So what I wanna do, understand that there's people from different backgrounds here, different belief systems. We have all kind of visitors and guests uh, with Pastor David. I've met some, several people that this is their very first time here. And now some of you were baptized in the Holy Spirit decades and decades ago. And you're like, yeah, I got this topic down. I walk in this. I pray in it. I feel like I'm gifted in it. So there's such a wide variety. What I want to do is hit on some key verses and try to unpack this for you. And my belief is, my hope is, is that the Holy Spirit himself is going to give you revelation. That no matter what denomination, no matter what background you belong to, you're going to look to God's word for the power of speaking in other tongues, of praying in tongues, also called praying in the Spirit. I do believe if you look at Scripture, speaking in tongues was a normal expression of believers in the early church, and it still is today. Now, this is the problem. We're talking about speaking in tongues or praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit. It is automatically if you look at different denominations and belief systems, it's automatically relegated to churches who call themselves Pentecostal churches, spirit-filled churches, full gospel churches. And one day I remember looking back and thinking, like in the book of Acts, there weren't different categories of churches. Like the early church was Pentecostal. Like they didn't have a chance to be a part of an Assemblies of God church or a Presbyterian church or a Methodist church, a Catholic church. It's like, they were Pentecostal. They were all Pentecostal. So what do you mean by that? I'm not trying to put them into my category. I'm saying we should probably find out what category they fit themselves into. They were Pentecostal Christians. What that means is they experienced what the first believers experienced on the day of Pentecost. What was that? That was the baptism with the Holy Spirit for the purpose of power and a confirmation, an enablement by the Spirit to speak in other tongues. What does that mean? Other tongues simply means unlearned language or other language. In fact, on the day of Pentecost, they spoke in in languages that other people around them could understand, though they have never learned it. This is in your Bible. Pretty amazing. In fact, they said, we can hear these men, these women, uttering praises and worship unto God in our native tongue, one that I know they did not learn. Now we follow from this day of Pentecost all the way through the book of Acts, which is not just a theological book, it's a a history book on the early church. And you see time and time again, the apostles would find people who were born again. What does that mean? You're saved. You're a child of God. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You're going to heaven you're going to be in the new Jerusalem. You're one with Jesus, right? Are you catching this? When you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit in you. But if you follow the book of Acts out, the apostles find people who are already believers. They've already already found Jesus, so the Spirit of God is in them. And then they start to ask them, have you received the Holy Spirit? Oh, inside me, yes, absolutely. But when they learn that they haven't received, What the disciples received on the day of Pentecost, they pray for them. And there is something that happens after that point of salvation when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, is poured out upon them, where power comes, boldness comes, and also the enablement to speak in other tongues. Again, time and time again, we've seen the argument, heard the argument, I've read the articles. Is tongues for today? Is it real? Can it be faked? Is it just something that's too mystical? I've read it. I've learned it. I actually was born and raised in a non-denominational church. It would not be put in the category of a Pentecostal church. So it had the basic tenets of the Christian faith. Our pastor never talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They would say they believed in spiritual gifts, but kind of like let's push the weird ones aside, right? The mystical ones. Like, so we could be teachers, we could be givers, we could be mercy, you know, showers, but miracle workers, healing, tongues, interpretation, prophecy, let's put those over here. So that's what I grew up in. But it was a good, solid church, just didn't teach the fullness of what's in the word. So then I go to high school and uh, good, again, a good, um, solid teaching of the word. But the pastor in his messages would say things like this. I didn't even recognize what I was being indoctrinated with at that time. He would you know, be preaching and he would say, well, you could follow Jesus and you could be a godly person and you don't need all that rolling around on the ground, foaming at the mouth, speaking in tongues type of thing. Now I'm a teenager and I'm like, I don't want anything to do with anything that comes close to foaming at the mouth <laughs> in church. So I'm out. I'm not gonna be on the ground. I'm not gonna be speaking in tongues. Like, none of it, right? And, it's, and, and you, say, you hear that over the course of four or five years and you begin to believe something you're not even sure is theologically true, okay? So then I come in here as a 21-year-old. Uh, I would say I, would, I was non-Pentecostal. I would have believed tongues was just, you know, for the hyper-spiritual, eccentric worshipers, totally not for me, not even sure if it was true. And I used to sit back here in uh, section A and I was here for maybe a a few months. And I I said it was Liz Kirner in first service, but it wasn't. It was a gentleman that used to sit right here in the service. So it's after worship, it's a little bit more quiet. And out of nowhere, somebody starts speaking and what I would have said was a a weird sounding language. It was a, a message in tongues. And at that point I was like, this is true. No, I was like freaked out, like for real. I'm like nervous, And I'm standing, I'm like, please don't call on me next. Please don't call on me. So what happens is this gentleman gives a message, a public message in tongues. Somebody else interprets it. The church, you know, hits this crescendo of worship. And I'm still just a little bit weirded out. Totally different than what I've experienced. So I go, I talk to the associate pastor, Pastor Bill Volpe at the time. And he gave me great encouragement and great instruction. He said this, he goes, don't disregard what you've learned from your former pastors, but just set aside man's opinion for a season of time. So you're not disregarding, you're not saying my pastors were bad and they didn't teach soldiers. No, no, no. You're not disregarding, you're setting aside man's opinion and just go back to the word. Just go back to the word. So what I did, I took months. I took months and I looked up every single scripture that dealt with baptism with the, in the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit fell upon them. I looked at how they responded. They prophesied, they exalted God, they spoke in tongues. I went, so that's all through Acts. Went through a portion in Romans, in Ephesians. I camped out in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 for a long time where Paul's actually going through how this gift works and functions in the church. And I discovered if I didn't use any of man's opinions and just looked in scripture, and I heard the argument too, that it ceased for today, like it's no longer today. Again, this isn't against or for any denomination. I wouldn't have considered myself a Pentecostal yet. I'm just looking at God's word. And then I realized the parts of where it's talking about, you know, that it ceases. They're talking about the time when you are in glory, when you don't need spiritual gifts anymore. You're in the presence of the almighty King. And several months after that, I started seeking the experience, right? Okay, I want the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I want to speak in other tongues. And I noticed that my target was wrong. I was seeking an experience. That's not scriptural, all right? So what do you do? Look back at scripture. And Peter, when he's explaining this outpouring of the Spirit, he said, this is what happened. The Father who is in heaven Handed, I used this illustration just a few weeks ago down here at the pew. Handed the gift, the promised gift of the Holy Spirit to Jesus. And Jesus is the one who poured the Spirit of God out on the people, as you see here today, as Peter was explaining. So I shifted my focus. I wasn't interested in an experience or a gift anymore, I was interested in Him. Jesus, the one who pours the spirit of God out on us. And it wasn't at a, in, a, in a service. In fact, we, I, I had planned to call people forward. I, don't, I wanna teach the word today. I want you to receive revelation from the word from the spirit. And we're gonna come back next week together if the Lord doesn't return. And we're gonna see him move. Some people, I've watched them, I've prayed with them in this altar space, in these aisles, be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they're enabled by the Spirit of God. For me, I like things like in order and in a row and to happen a certain way. So I looked at scripture enough, I'm like, I want it to happen in one of these ways, you know? And it, it happened with me, nobody laid their hands on me. I wasn't even with anybody. I was in a rundown motel in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. And I was on my knees in one of those comforters that you're like, I don't even know if I want to sleep in this, on this, take it all the way off, whatever. My, my arms were kind of on it. And I'm just worshiping the Lord in English. And the, way I, the only way that I can explain it is it felt like it, at some moment, I'm just worshiping Jesus. I'm just worshiping him. I'm not even worried about an experience. And I felt like, I, I just used the terminology like a light plunger came down into like my midsection. I kind of stopped. And release, and in those moments, I found myself being enabled by the spirit to worship him in what I would call an unlearned language, what scripture calls tongues or praying in the spirit. This is like a little bit of my journey where nobody forced it. Nobody said, it has to happen right now. It has to be hands laid on. It has to be not do this, do that. No, I, I set aside man's opinions for a season of time. I just looked at the Word. What I found is when people are worshiping Jesus, he pours his spirit out. And there's evidence throughout Acts that this is a sign, a gift, and something that we can use. You guys all right? Everybody take a deep breath. Ah, All right. Here we go. I want to talk about three functions of tongues. Again, some of you, it's just a confirmation like, yeah, we're going after this. This is. I've known this, and it's just a, a reaffirmation. For some of you, it might be the first time that you're hearing uh, you know, scripture broken down like this, but I wanna camp out on the third, the third one. I just wanna introduce the first two because the third one really ties together our entire series that has been eight or nine weeks long now on prayer. So the first function of tongues is is a confirmation of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember, If the moment you say yes to Jesus, scripture is clear. You have the spirit of God in you as a confirmation, a guarantee, some translations say a a down payment or a deposit of the things yet to come. That talks about in scripture, how the spirit of God cries out, Abba, Father. What's that mean? You're a child of God. So if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit in you. Don't hear something I'm not saying. If you're a Christian following Jesus, the spirit of God is in you. You're on your way to heaven. Your final place of worshiping the Lord will be in the new Jerusalem, okay? You with me? yes. All right, so however, this this experience of the baptism in the Holy Spirit happened to believers. They already were following Jesus. I I mentioned it already, the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, verse 4, they're in this room, they're praying, this sound comes in the room and it says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Follow this. Spirit of God lives in you for your benefit. So you know you're a believer. Holy Spirit comes upon you for the benefit of others. The purpose of power. So this terminology here, they were filled with the Spirit. So the Spirit's poured out. It says, they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So Don't let somebody force you to say syllables that you don't know. Don't let somebody force you into some weird, unbiblical experience. You seek Jesus, ask Jesus to pour out his spirit upon you, and there'll be a moment in time where you actually sense the presence of the spirit of God coming upon you. It might not be physical, it might be an act of faith, but then biblically it says, as the spirit enabled them, there was this confirmation that they were being filled. It happens, Acts chapter two, chapter 4, 8, 9, 10, 19, you see people, believers, being filled with the Spirit over and over again. In Acts chapter 19, the last one in the book of Acts, Paul, one of the apostles, he's in Ephesus, and he finds 12 people who are absolutely believers. Like, they are, Jesus' followers. And Paul's like, what baptism did you get? He says, we've been dunked underwater from Paul, in the name of Paul. He's like, hold on. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus if you're the one following Jesus. So they're water baptized. And what happens after that in verse 6? It says, Paul places his hands on them to pray. The Holy Spirit came on them. Test question. Is the Holy Spirit already dwelling inside of them? Yes, because they're already disciples of Jesus. The Spirit is in them for their benefit. But Paul knows because he experienced it also that if he lays his hands on them, he prays, the Holy Spirit comes on them and says, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. You'll see sometimes when they're filled, they prophesy. You'll see sometimes when they're filled, they speak in tongues. Sometimes when they're filled, they speak in tongues and prophesy. But there's always this worship, this giving God, giving Jesus the majesty and the honor that he deserves. It says that there were about 12 men in all. So we know there's this vocal praise that the spirit of God gives us as a confirmation of being filled with the spirit. Second purpose is that it's a vocal gift to build up the church in corporate gatherings. Uh, I believe Josh in, how many of you are old enough to remember Micro Machines? The commercials? Just a few of us. Am I that old or you just don't remember the commercial? It's basically this. The dude spoke so fast, you didn't even know if he was speaking in regular English words, but he was trying to sell you these little, little tiny cars. That's how Josh quoted scripture up here today. He's like, <sighs> So anyway, he was actually quoting some of these verses. I think it, I think it was in this answer. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul's talking about spiritual gifts. He says, "Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good." He goes on the list, a whole bunch of spiritual gifts. I don't think it's a comprehensive list. I think he's saying, "Hey, some of you are good at leadership. Some of you are good at giving. Some of you are good at teaching. Some of you are good at mercy. And he gets down to chapter, or in verse 10, he says, to another is uh, speaking in different kinds of tongues and still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the works of one and the same spirit and he gives them to each one just as he determines. We don't determine if tongues is a gift for public edification. He determines that. And this is what I've experienced before. So I meet people who are new. I used to teach our new members class and we'll be talking about our beliefs and so on. And I've seen, people have admitted, is that they're nervous about asking the Holy Spirit to be poured out on them because they do not want to be used in front of other people speaking this spiritual language. Like, no way am I ever gonna have to do that so then you just avoid it all, right? So you get to pick, you're gonna pick leadership, you'll pick giving and mercy and then you'll shove everything else aside. That's not biblical, we're not God. We don't get to pick what gifts he gives us, do we? Say no, am I losing yet? No, he gets to pick. We surrendered our life to him and now he gets to pick how we are gonna build up the body and how we are going to evangelize. People get nervous though. So I'm baptized with the Holy Spirit. come on staff. If you know our family, we had four kids in under four years. So we have a few of our kids back here. I believe in service with us. I'm just back here in section A a few few rows back. And worship is ending. And the Lord like tells me, I don't hear audible voice, but I, I have a strong sensation, speak out in tongues. This is not like a little whisper during worship. Like he's telling me, use a gift of speaking in other tongues publicly, like speak out. And I'm like, No. No way, Lord. Not me. I'm on staff. And what's my fear? What if I sound silly? What if I mess it up? Well, How are you going to mess it up? What if I speak out? And what's the other gift? Interpreting the tongue. So what if nobody else interprets, right? So being the good Christian I am after he told me two and three times, what did I do? I kept my mouth shut. I did not speak out. Like literally, I just sat there sweating, nervous. Pastor Stevens up here. You know, what if my boss gets mad? Am I even allowed to do this as a staff member? I don't know. So I don't speak out. So I give the Lord my final no. What do we teach here? Put your yes on the table before he even asks, right? I gave him my final no. Within like 30 seconds, it was, it was Liz Kidder. She was sitting right back here, longtime member of Central, dear saint in the Lord, speaks out in another tongue, somebody else in the front interprets it, the church responds in this beautiful crescendo of praise, I'm like, wow that is the gift the public gift in operation in a pure holy way now I knew that I had missed it I I repented, I asked for forgiveness fortunately God's a God of second chances, he hasn't asked me publicly again, but if he does I'm stepping out, somebody better interpret, All right. (laughs) So this is, this is what people get nervous of. If I'm baptized with the Holy Spirit and the Spirit gives me an enablement to speak in other tongues, then I'm automatically gonna be used in that public gift. I don't believe that to be true at all. I believe that we have a ton of gifts out there and there are very few people who are used in that capacity. So don't be nervous. Ask for more of Jesus. Ask for him to pour out more of his Holy Spirit and allow the Spirit to enable you without fear. Amen? All right, the third one is where I wanna kind of camp out on these next 10 or so minutes. And this is a prayer language understood by God. We've been talking about prayer, trying to develop our prayer lives, seek the Lord more. And tongues, after you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you have that enablement, you have the freedom to use that in uh, as a form of prayer, uh, prayer language. So in scripture, it's called praying in tongues or praying in the spirit. It's one and the same. If you cross-reference enough uh, scriptures, you'll see, Paul is talking about one and the same thing. In Romans chapter eight, verse 26, I wanna read a couple verses that aren't up there. They're just referenced. It says, the spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit, if you're looking in your Bible, it's most likely a capital S, meaning the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he, Who is God who searches our hearts? He knows the mind of the Spirit, and because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance to God's will. So, what's happening here? He's saying. When we are weak, when we don't know the answer to our prayers, when we don't know what we're supposed to do, we don't know what God wants us to do, we don't know what his will is, he's saying in that moment, the spirit of God himself will intercede for us. But where does the spirit of God live? Within us. He doesn't live just around us. And because he's in us, he's interceding for us by praying through us with groans that words cannot express. I've been in several moments of my life where English isn't going to cut it. I don't know what else to ask for. I don't know how else to seek him. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And in those moments, you allow the enablement of the spirit to come forth and pray in the spirit. Regularly practiced by the early church, lost for a portion of time, rediscovered in the late 1800s, practiced more in the early 1900s. And actually, this is why the Assemblies of God came to, to become a fellowship of believers, is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Understanding this is still for today. In Ephesians 6 verse 18. Paul says, pray in the spirit or pray in tongues on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So I believe that being filled with the spirit is a doorway, not a destination. We get caught up sometimes in Pentecostal churches, right? We're gonna come down here. We're gonna get ourselves an experience. Maybe pastor will give me a sticker or something and I get to go home. You're not getting a sticker, folks. No badges, no pins. We have to be a group, a body of believers. Again, I know we have guests here, people here first time. I don't care what church you go to. If you believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, let us be known as a body of believers in this region who focus on Jesus and who wants simply the Holy Spirit to be poured out to do anything and everything he wants to do and I believe he'll be pleased with that, amen? He'll be so pleased that we're focused on him. We're gonna focus on him, not an experience, but we have to understand this is not a destination. It's simply a doorway into a spirit-filled life that can bring great benefit to us and to other people. What I wanna do is share a few verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 14. If you're a part of our church family regularly, this is your homework assignment. Don't disregard what I'm saying, but set aside what I'm gonna say and get in the word and read this chapter over and over and over again until the Holy Spirit begins to bring understanding and revelation and excitement for it, all right? Paul, he's talking to a church who's abusing spiritual gifts. He's focusing on tongues and prophecy. Let's get into it. Verse 1 and 2. It says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spirit or gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. So we can desire these things, it's on our focus, but we can desire them. And he's saying, Eagerly desired, especially this gift of prophecy, which is either foretelling or forthtelling the things of the Lord. Verse 2 Anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but God. Indeed, no one understands them, they utter mysteries. By the Spirit, I read that again. Anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them; they utter mysteries by the Spirit. This chapter is not inserted into the Bible by Pentecostal churches. This is Paul, and it's in all of our Bibles. So follow this out. No, I'm being I'm being real because when I would read these as a kid, I would I would have just again set them aside. It's just like this is just it's just mysterious. And then you read it and you're saying, wait a minute. When somebody is actually speaking in a tongue, Paul's saying, you're not speaking to other people. They're not going to understand it. You're actually speaking the mysteries by the Spirit. And now I'm like, wait a minute, something that I always put in my unable to fully understand mysterious box, now I'm allowed to embrace it as mysterious because the scripture says they are speaking mysteries to God. So when I look at this scripture I can categorize it this way, is that tongues is a heavenly language, not understood by men, but understood by God. In fact, when it's used as a public gift, if you're standing around the person, you won't understand in your mind what they're saying. That's why you wait for a person with interpretation to bring it forth so there can be understanding. Praying in the spirit, I like doing on a regular basis because it's direct communication with God. I don't have to figure out how to interpret, hey, this is how I'm feeling today, God. This is what I think I need. This is what I'm assuming your will is. This is what I want to happen in my life. No, I have the opportunity to pray in the spirit and accomplish what it says in Ephesians. We already read it. Praying what is according to God's will as the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf. Let's go on to verse four and five. He says, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. Now, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. So look at the two aspects here. One gift is edifying yourself. The other gift is edifying the church. Now he's saying, listen, I want every single one of you to be able to speak in tongues. So it was a normal, a normal expected discipline of the faith to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, speak in tongues. But he's saying, listen, when we all gather together, I would much rather have you prophesy. Why? We'll go back a few sentences earlier. If there, the gift of tongues is being used over and over and over and over and over again, the people in the room, if it's not being interpreted, are not edified. When prophecy is given in a public setting, it edifies the church. Why? Because they can understand what's being said. It's in their native tongue. It's in their language. So a prophecy, though it is speaking on behalf of God, it's speaking to the people in this room. So prophecy edifies other people, the church Speaking or praying in tongues edifies yourself. This is an important principle of praying in the spirit is it edifies yourself. Listen, I've been in enough conversations with other Christians. I've been a part of them where I could become critical, judgmental about everything going on in the world right now, right? We could point out 25 things that we don't like and none of that is going to edify our soul. Amen? Complaining criticizing, moaning, and groaning is not going to edify our soul. In fact, complaining to God with no faith isn't going to edify our soul. Praying in the Spirit, he's saying, edifies ourselves. There's a building up and a growing up that happens, a strengthening that happens in our spirit as we pray in the Spirit. So praying in the Spirit, it's intended to edify us and build us up individually. While the gift of prophecy edifies the church, Adam, you can come up if you don't mind, please. I want to read a few more verses here. In verse fourteen and fifteen, again, read the verses. I'm not reading. He continues to break out tongues, prophecy. The differences, how to function in them. In verse fourteen, he says, "For I pray in a tongue, for when I, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays." Okay. Now, back when I read from Romans and it says that the spirit intercedes on our behalf, that is a capital S meaning Holy Spirit is doing it, okay? Here, what he's saying is, if I am, when I am praying in a tongue, my human spirit prays. How does your human spirit pray? Through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So now you have your spirit Literally partnering with the Holy Spirit in a form of prayer. He says, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? So people would say that too. Well, if my mind isn't fruitful, I don't wanna do it. Let me tell you something. We should be led by the Spirit from our spirit to the Holy Spirit, okay? We should not let our mind and our emotions lead the way. How many of you know your mind will lead you astray? Your flesh, your desires of your flesh. Like some of you are getting hungry. They're like, I hope there's enough cupcakes out there, right? You can't be be led by that stuff. So the Holy Spirit is supposed to lead your human spirit in the spiritual interactions between you and God. Then your mind, your will, your soul, then your body follows. We have it switched a lot of times. So when Paul says your mind is unfruitful, that doesn't make praying in the spirit bad or wrong. He's just saying, when you pray in the spirit, your spirit is fruitful. Your spirit is edified. Your spirit is built up. It says, when you pray in the spirit, my mind is unfruitful. So, says, so what am I going to do? I love this. Paul like, lays out his private time with the Lord right here. I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. So what he's saying is it's both and. It's not dividing the topic. It's bringing the topic together to say, I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to pray through me and to sing through me and to worship as I bring adoration to the King of all kings. And I'm also going to use my native language, which for us, for most of us in the room, it would be English. He's saying, this is the way I'm going to do it. I will pray with my spirit and my mind. I will sing with my spirit and my mind. This is what I believe he's saying is this, is we should take the opportunity to pray in the spirit on a regular basis. And again, for some of you in the room, it might be okay, well, I'm not willing to accept that right now. I need to go back to scripture and actually just look. Let the word of God be revealed in front of you until it is made known to you in the private time with the Lord. Maybe, maybe you'll be in an old motel this week and you say, Jesus, I'm looking at you fresh. Just come. Come, pour your spirit out on me. Maybe it'll be this weekend at the conference. Whether they call for it or not, maybe you just come forward and say, Jesus, pour your spirit out on me fresh. You know, if there's a different Dynamic, a different angle to worship the Lord from that we aren't, is it not in our life right now? How many of you would want that, right? A different way, a way that you see in scripture, we could touch the heart of God and worship him and bring adoration to his name. I wanna close with these two verses. Paul says, I thank God. This almost sounds like pretty prideful and cocky if you ask me. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Paul's laying it down. (laughs) I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Is he minimizing the importance of tongues here? Not at all, he just said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But he's saying when we're together, let those gifts that we can understand and quickly edify the church, be done for clear understanding. Now, I want to just, to close here, I want to explain something. When we're in a church service, because we're considered a Pentecostal church, you might find yourself singing a song, a worship song in English, and you're worshiping, and right behind you, in front of you, beside you, you might hear someone praying or singing in tongues or in spirit, in the spirit, same thing. I don't want you to consider that out-of-order worship, where that person is waiting for an interpretation. Does this make sense? It's simply a spirit-filled Christian who's worshiping the Lord in spirit, probably back in English, back in spirit, and back in English. They're not bringing disorder to the service. This is an environment where people can come and worship in spirit and in truth. When it would require an interpretation would be if somebody spoke like loud enough for this room to hear it or in your small group, if someone came out and spoke powerfully and loud enough, it's like, okay, this is kind of pausing what we're doing right now, and they spoke out. In those moments, we'll wait on the Spirit, and we'll trust that someone will bring an interpretation that brings exaltation to the Lord. But don't be disturbed or discouraged if somebody around you is in a prayer service, uh, anyway else, we're doing simply what Paul said. He's gonna pray and sing with the Spirit, He's going to pray and sing with his mind. Why don't we stand this time? Hey, Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much that you allow us to gather with believers, again, from different backgrounds, different belief systems, different, uh, different upbringings, Lord Jesus. And I, I pray uh, every one of us online and in the house would just take a season to set aside uh, things that we might think are true or not true. And we would dig into your word, Lord Jesus, whether it be this topic, topic of finances, wisdom, whatever it is, let us look fresh upon your word to hear what the spirit of God is trying to teach us through this written word. Father, I do pray for an outbreak of your Holy Spirit upon your people. I pray that you would pour your spirit upon us fresh each and every day so that we can represent you well. And Father, I wanna follow the way of Paul, even as he said, follow me as I follow Christ. I want to regularly pray with my spirit and my mind, sing with my spirit and my mind. I want to use everything you've given me to bring you honor, And glory. And I pray, Father, that you would simply stir that up in the people of God. Father, bless us as we go from here today that we can make an impact in other people's lives until we meet again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and go visit centralconnect.org for more information and media.